Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Graham Herald to my Michael Crabtree. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? Oh, man. Um, knowing what we're going to talk about first, it's not great, if I'm being honest, but also uh, I was Graham Herald's RA and <laughs> did not get along with that guy very much when he was a freshman. So What? He, a freshman, highly rated quarterback wasn't super yeah. easy to work with. I mean, I'm sure that That's he, funny. you know, I, I can't even say that <laughs> I would wouldn't have done the same thing. But that dude, when he was a freshman on campus, he tried to big time everybody and be like, "You know who I am?" I'm like, "No, dude. Like, you're not even yeah. on the field yet. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, we know who you are. You're from Ennis, Texas. Shut up. Like, but right. I'm sure right. he ends up. Yeah. This is still BJ Simon. He's team, probably bro. a nice uh, guy now, and he probably was <laughs> after the fact. But when he was a freshman. And I was an RA yeah. trying to have what little, um, <laughs> yeah, authority. little authority I had, and some stupid bulletin board I had to put up, you know, or whatever. But uh. yeah, I had. But I see in my dorm was the athletics, like the freshman athletics kids, like they got their own room in the four corners of each hall, and so every floor uh-huh. had four athletes, and so every year I got, uh, you know, a couple of a couple of guys. Like one year I had Danny Amendola, and then. Um, one mm-hmm. year I had uh, Martin Zeno. Remember him from the basketball team? Yeah. yeah. So like I, you know, uh-huh. I just it's every once in a while. You, and they were typically pretty good guys. But man, Graham Harrell, he he came <laughs> in thinking this is this is my this is my world. And and to be fair, he was kind of right. You know, by the time he started good. playing, he you know he ended up being yeah. the, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the t- of the school and the you know NCAA. So, but when he was a freshman yeah. and sitting behind Cody Hodges, like. <laughs> Not, not very, not, not, not shouldn't be not, big type of people. Super easy. Okay. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, tonight we are going to be talking about, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. We will be talking about the Phoenix Suns and how those two teams intersect. Cause that was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to very, very briefly touch on the Kings and I'll, I'll kind of explain what happened there. Um, and uh, and then we're going to talk about Trey Young and maybe use that to kind of pivot into um, a, a, a light discussion on the top 25-ish players in the league and, and maybe kind of where Trey falls into that mix. Tobin, um, I've been out uh, two... I mean, we haven't recorded together in like three weeks now because I was sick two weeks ago. Dennis filled in for me and did a, did a great job. Uh, we had lots of requests for Dennis to become the new host of Spread the Floor. Um, sorry, I'm not going to allow that to happen because I own all the equity in Spread yeah, the Floor. Obviously. Um, and that's negative equity, just to be clear. Um, but, uh, yeah, so thanks to Dennis for filling in for me. I was had the flu and could not talk at all, at all, at all. And then last week we were both off because we both were working 190 hours yeah. last week uh, each. So, we just decided we we need to prioritize our stupid. Real and as we said before, if you again, if you are mad at us about that, you are welcome to fund this podcast so I don't have to work anymore. I super right. would love that. So and it's not that it's expensive. Really not to be yeah, honest. I'm like, yeah, I'm a cheap. Our our number is pretty. Yeah, cheap. I'm a cheap date. So just put a, put a number out there. <laughs> Get at us. Get at us on that. Um, Tobin, before we get into the Pelicans, uh, today we found out about the passing of. Coach Mike Leach, who was the this is a basketball podcast. Obviously, we don't ever talk about football, um, but occasionally we'll step in, step our stick our toes, I guess, into um, the the other sports. Well, I know you and Dennis talked about World Cup stuff. Um, 
You are a Texas Tech alum, and you were there during the Mike Leach era. My whole family is from Tex- is from Lubbock and, and that surrounding area. I grew up as a big Tech fan. I have lots of family members that went to Tech, and I, I claim that as my – this is the team, that the college team that, that I root for in basketball and football and, and beyond. Um, I certainly have more connection to Tech than I do to my own alma mater, which shall remain unnamed. Um, it's Harvard, obviously. Um, but Mike Leach ruled um, and was a wholly unique, completely weird, eccentric, strange man who somehow became a very successful college football coach. His path to getting to that position is just comp- is wild and, and unlike almost any other head coach like that. Um, TikTok and Twitter today have just been full of leechisms and videos of of his um, eccentricity and and foolishness and sometimes wisdom and sometimes, you know, not great. There were times where he definitely crossed the line, but he was always uh, uniquely him. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it bugged me. It, it, this, this hit me kind of hard today. Um, even having spent the weekend knowing that, that it was unlikely that, that he was going to be able to, to come out of this. But I wanted to, you were there during um, a good chunk of that, that leech time at tech. So I just wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about him for, for a minute and, and uh, just, I don't know, let's, let's get it out on the air. Cause this is basically therapy for, for us at this point. Yeah. I, um, this, this hit me a little harder than I probably would have real, like expected it to. If somebody would have, told me about this mm-hmm. in the, you know, like, I like, how would this affect you? Um, and, and a lot of that is because I actually had some like physical, like some like one-on-one interactions with him and like, you know, and, and group on, you know, like interactions with him where he came and talked to the band and, um, he was a big supporter of what we did, um, in the going band. And obviously like, I'm not an athlete, but, um, you know, the band is a big part of game days in college and we travel together. We do things together. Uh, we had players come meet us as along with him. And he literally every week during football season would come visit the band just to check in and like pump us up and give us, you know, what he wants to see that week. And it was always just wheels off. And, you know, he would get on a rant and like, oh, I want you to play this song. Have you ever heard of this one? And he starts singing or, you know, just, just weird things like that. Mm-hmm. But like beyond that, I even like had one-on-one interactions with him and just, you know, I actually got to experience him, even if it was briefly as a person and what you see in all of these just quirky, weird videos is basically who he is all the time. Um, or who he was all the time. And it's just, mm-hmm. so I think it just hit a little harder because I do feel like I was a part of at least, even if it was just, a, you know, a small percentage of, his journey as a coach. Um, and I had a, I had a buddy that was asking me and he was like, when was the last time that something like this has happened where it's been like, you know, in the middle of a season or like an unexpected. And I, I just really could not think of a time when this happened, at least something that, you know, something that happened with me, um, you know, or I'm sorry that, that I'm connected to. And, mm-hmm. It's it just it hit pretty hard, and I I don't know maybe that some of that is just you know I'm I'm getting older and like these things are gonna start happening more and more, um, but it just 
I can't imagine how much it would have hurt too if it was if it was like an immediate like sudden thing because like we at least had three mm-hmm. or three days or so to kind of just kind of wrap our brains around it and then you know that was in kind of like process it at before it actually happened but then when it did today I just kind of sat for like an hour just kind of thinking about the ways mm-hmm. that he you know affected my time at tech I mean that that was yeah. that was so I came in the year after Kingsbury graduated and that Kingsbury team was kind of like the team that started tech's trajectory to the I won't say the elite, but the people that can make some noise. And so every year I was there, we, we ended up being top 15 and, you know, and there was one year that we ended up being top, the top team in the nation and just got, I mean, even, even if it was only for one week that, that was, you know, that was a big deal for tech. We're not OU, we're not Texas, we're not, you know, Ohio state and it was all with this quirky offense with a bunch of no name people. And, you know, it's it, uh, for years. People, you know, the the air raid offense was considered a gimmick, and like it wasn't going to work in the NFL. And like all these players that you know went to Tech weren't drafted because they were just part of a gimmick offense and this and that. And then that, that label slowly started to shred. And when you have people like Wes Welker and um, Danny Amendola and like multiple linemen like Manny Ramirez, um, mm-hmm. I can't, I mean I can't think of all the top of my head, but then like. Uh, yeah, it just it just seemed to kind of start shaking out a little bit, and then the NFL started going to a more spread offense as well. And I'm not saying Mike Leach is the reason for that, but he was definitely part of the the he was he was in on the ground floor with that kind of stuff. And sure. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players in the NFL today that I don't think are seen the same way if it wasn't for the spread innovation that Leach kind of helped bring along the college game and the NFL game, and I mean, even from a coaching tree, like, I mean, you know, one of his, mm-hmm. you know, his quarterbacks is an NFL head coach right now. Uh, there's, I think, I think I read today that there's three or four guys that have head coaching, coaching jobs that are part of his tree. Uh, one of them got a job today at North, North Texas, like one of his former receivers got a job at North Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you know, without Mike Leach, even though he wasn't his coach. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just a weird it's just a weird situation. And I really hate that, that like, this is the way he's going out. Like, I mean, like I just, I, there had been rumors that he was going to retire this year and kind of walk away. And I was already talking to people about like, man, I cannot wait to see analyst Mike Leach. And it just sucks that we're not going to have that. And that, that really sucks. Like it sucks because there's so many things about him that, you know, are just amazing. And yeah, he definitely did some things in the last couple of years that make you scratch your head a little bit. But the one thing about him is that he has strong opinions and he will at the very least, you know, present his side, but then he's going to respect your side too. He's not a person that will say something and then blindly be angry and fight about it, but he's a lawyer. That's what his degree's in. Like, and so if he, that's like, yeah, he's done some things that I don't, I know that people frown upon, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he he is an amazing was an amazing person and um just such a such an unique person in so many ways. And it's mm-hmm. you know, the the world somebody tweeted today and I it's it's just the perfect encapsulation of the world's a little more dull today because of it. And that's yeah. that's where it is. Like it's just and 
yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Like it's it's just it's tough. Yeah, I I think two things, and then we'll wrap up because again, I know this is a basketball podcast, and and that's what all seven people are here to hear to listen to. Um, I think I think one of the things that I loved. Well, let me start this way. He, because of our age, he is. There are two. When I think of the term, when I think of coach, this is how I felt for a long time. When I think of coach, because of our age and because of uh, you know our affiliations, one of the two names that I think of first when it comes when I when I hear coach, um, are are Mike Shishetsky, um, who you know. Obviously, don't need to go into that. And Mike Leach; those are those are the two names that that. And then Coach Taylor from from Friday Night Lights, you know. But like for the Mavs, for our entire run with the Mavs, the Mavs had you know never had a ton of uh, of of uh, you know. Don Nelson was here for a few years. Avery Johnson was here for a few years. Before that, it was just a dumpster fire at that position, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I never, never was a huge, so, you know, I, maybe it's Jimmy Johnson or, or Barry Switzer or whatever for, for Cowboys fans. But for me anyway, like my, my point just being that I think of Mike Leach as, as my coach, um, because of, of, you know, who he was when, when, um, that was, be- when, when tech was becoming a thing and, and my age and what a cool, unique person he was. Um, and then the part of that is part of that whole, his, his persona and his uniqueness and, and all this is just, we are like, we are trained at this point to expect coaches, especially athletes too, but coaches especially to say nothing when they have a microphone in front of their face, you know? To, and and this is the one of the things this the other guy that I think of I, you know I mentioned Shashevsky I mentioned Mike Leach and it's Greg Popovich is the other one and part of that is because Greg Popovich when you put a when you put a microphone in front of his face he may not give you the standard answer sometimes he does but he may not and he may say he may t- take this opportunity to say something different or weird or advocate for something or be grouchy or whatever else. And Leach was the same thing. It was, I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth at any given moment. And that makes him, it makes him dangerous in some ways. And then we saw some of that down the stretch of, of his life, but also it makes him um, entertaining and it makes him, it, it makes you, you mentioned the whole, the world's a little duller today. Absolutely. That is a hundred percent true because you just, we're so used to coaches saying nothing and just speaking only in in coach speak and in in idioms and and just generic blabber, you know. And and with Leach, you never got that, and it was it was pretty great, man. It was pretty great, and this this sucks. And you're totally right. Losing, um, it it nothing compared to what his family is going through, but just from a uh, very selfish standpoint, losing years of him as a pundit or an analyst or just a guest host, guest on on Sports Center with SVP or something, really stinks because he was he was so good at at just talking and and being a person and um, and I miss yeah. that already. And I so you know I know I'm not a, articulating bump. well and I'm stammering with words because I could really like. It really did just hit me like a ton of bricks, even though I knew it was coming. 
And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like I was at tech the same time that Bobby Knight was. So I had two very like well-known, very, you know, controversial, but also like soundbitey coaches. And I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, even if you take out the, you know, the Bobby Knight stuff like now, like I don't like, I won't have the same feeling you know, I wouldn't have the same feeling if this was Bobby Nydens because, like, Mike Leach makes an impression on people for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, there's so many stories coming out of, you know, I reached out to Mike Leach when I was a journalism student, and he like, he still texts me mm-hmm. every year. Like, yeah. it's like, th- like, those are the kind right, of things right. that made him special. And, again, I was just a very small percentage of that that life, but even I felt like, that guy meant like mattered to me and I, and I, what I was doing mattered to him. Mm-hmm. And it, even though I was just some dumb trumpet player in a college band, yeah. you know? And so I, it's just, it's, it's a tough day. Um, but man, I'm so, I, but man, I'm thankful for Mike Leach. Like I'm, I'm very thankful for what he did mm-hmm. for my school and um, for just humanity and stuff, you know, and, and so I just I'm I'm thankful for him today, and it, it's been cool seeing all the things on Twitter and TikTok. But it's also been kind of sad today too, um, just kind of watching all that stuff go down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, stay hard, Mike Leach. You ruled. Um, this is a big bummer today. Let's um, let's transition into some basketball talk. Um, tell them we got two teams that matched up twice last week, and then they're going to play again on Saturday, which is real wheels off. Um, one is trending in the right direction. One is trending in the wrong direction. Um, and they are both right at the top of the Western conference, at least for the moment. Um, and I'm pulling up tonight's scoreboard as I'm, as I'm speaking, cause I think both these teams were, are playing tonight and, um, oh boy, oh boy. I just saw the score for the Suns. Okay. We'll get into them second. The New Orleans Pelicans, Tobin coming into the night right now, they are, uh, in the third quarter against the jazz. But coming into the night, they have seven straight wins. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They are currently fifth in offense, third in defense, first in net rating. Zion Williamson, Tobin, in his last 10 games, he's averaging 26, 8, 4, one and a half steals and a block. He's shooting 66% from the field and getting eight free throws per game. They're number one in the West. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I kind of like napped for a week and they went from a, a cute five seed to legitimately the, the one seed in, in the Western Conference, uh, you know, more than than a quarter of the way through the season. Um, what's uh, how are we feeling about the Pels? Are you I mean, this is uh, this is quite a this is quite a come up from a team that, again, I think. I think we all felt like was like, hey, they're in contention for the four seed, sure, and uh, and now that looks that looks like a um, we we were we were underselling them. So talk about the new new yeah, Orleans we Pelicans. were all on the over for them on our over unders episode, and you know I think we all kind of said that that they'd be about a four seed, you know, at best if they're all healthy, that they could be scary, and they have they have positions and assets to make themselves even scarier. Um, I don't think anybody would have thought this, obviously. But the the pumping <laughs> breaks moment for me is when you look at the standings. They're also five games from not being in the playoffs or being in the play play in. Yeah, so yeah, for sure, for sure. 
this is awesome. It is, but it's it centers around the fact that they're they're gelling. They finally have their team playing together, which is huge. And knock on wood, let's hope it stays that way. Because like right now, they're they, they're also a, they're a great league pass team because they're they're really fun to watch. Um, Ingram Ingram, I think, could even be playing better and. Yeah, Ingram's still out, and that's that's we're gonna yeah. talk about that. In a like second. they don't they even have fully fully like yeah. in, full Ingram yet, and they and maybe that I mean that could be a a uh, question to have if he if he comes back and they start you know slumping a little bit. That might be something that brings up some interesting conversations. But I mean, Zion doesn't look like the Zion that we've seen in the past. He looks more well rounded this year. And yes. yes. Hundred percent. That might have been the best thing that could happen to the to him and the Pelicans is that he's coming in knowing that he needs to be an all around player and not just a, a flashy dude that does some some sweet dunks. Um, because he he does. He looks great on. He looks better on defense. He looks um, more efficient on offense. He's not just standing around in the in the paint like he's he's working in the schemes more. Um, Mm-hmm. He just he looks like he's complimenting on top of taking charge, which is which is something that I think that he really needed to do to make himself efficient and not just some undersized post player. So that is a huge move in the right direction if you're the Pelicans. And again, I I, I said this, but they are they are still sitting on a ton of assets to. Yeah build this team around even more on top of the fact that some of their players right now, they could theoretically dump. Like they could, I mean, like, I mean, let's listen, like mm-hmm. I love Brandon Ingram, but if, you know, if they're playing this well without him and somebody comes in and says, we'll give you this for Brandon Ingram. Like you have to kind of start, you know, if you're, if you're, um, I want to say Danny Ainge, but it's not Danny Ainge. It's uh, it's fairy, right? Uh, the GM there. Uh, in New Orleans? Uh, no. Um, uh, oh my gosh! Oh I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> sound like uh, Griffin. Uh, Griffin. Yes, thank David you, Griffin. David Griffin. If Griffin, you're David Griffin yeah. and someone comes to you and says, "Like, hey, what do you think about giving us Brandon Ainge for?" I'm sorry. Oh my God, G- giving us Brandon Ingram for you know something great that's going to complement your team. Like, you have to think about that at this point as well. On top of the fact that you're sitting on a ton of draft picks, so like that, they really are in a fantastic position. They went from you know there's a bunch of ragtag guys to like holy crap, they might be good for years if we're not careful. <laughs> and, and that started with their draft. We talked about this. Like they drafted well last year. The people they drafted last year are basically full time contributors at this point. I mean, in in Murphy and in Herb Jones, and they still have and they have good veteran presence. I mean, the one thing I think that they are kind of missing right now is a solid, like, game general point guard, even though I know that's what they're, they're trying to make McCollum that. But even, like, Alvarado stepped up some. And so... Oh, yeah. He's yeah, it's it's shit. just... Yeah. <clears throat> the fact that they're winning the way they are and, you like, you watch them knowing this isn't going to be their final form and you're just like, oh, no. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a, as a yeah. fan of another team in the same conference and division as them, that stresses me right. the heck out right. so yeah but yeah, yeah it's they're they're a lot of fun to watch and i i think the the offense being as efficient as it is is what surprises me the most about this like i, I figured they'd be a, mm-hmm. a decent defensive team but their offense has is, is been rocking too 
Yeah, I, I, um, a couple of things here. A little inside baseball. This was gonna be, this was the plan to be our league fa- league pass focus team, and then they kind of forced our hand. Partly because we we couldn't record last week, but partly because they have been on such a streak, we couldn't not talk about them today. But I was hoping that we were gonna we were gonna be able to hold it until we you know we had a league league pass week where we could just watch all their games and and really focus in on them. Um, I pocketed a video today from a, a guy I really like on on Twitter who who was going over like how they're how they're countering um, other teams defensive plans against them now that there's a little bit of tape on what they're doing and stuff and how it's you know they're not slowing down because they're countering with this this and this. Um, but I didn't get a chance to fully watch that breakdown and, and kind of dig into it. Um, Zion's been great. I think you, you had a, a couple good points with him. He is, and, and this comes to from like, I listened to uh, Zach Lowe with, with Andrew Lopez this evening while I was making dinner and, and um, he talked about just how unselfish Zion is. And I think that's a, that's a huge part of it too. He was not, I don't think he's ever been a selfish basketball player, um, but he just looks way more under control than he, he previously was. There were times where he could get sped up a little bit by the flow of the game and just like his mentality and whatnot of, I'm going to just kind of be a bowling ball going down the lane and stuff. He's, he's slowing down a little bit, taking things. He's basically taking what the defense gives them and he's essentially their point guard. Um, CJ, you know, is is starts the game as the point guard. He's sort of nominally in that spot. They pl- they're playing Alvarado a lot, but like I think when they're at their best, it usually is Zion bringing the ball up the court, or at least Zion getting the ball in the half court, and we we're all going to operate off of what this guy does. Um, you see, th- you see why he was the number one pick and was such not not the number one pick, but like not just the number one pick, but like a a. This is a legacy guy, you know. This is this is a cornerstone instant player because he's so different and unique. The speed that he has on the perimeter with the size and the strength, I mean, it's it's incredible. It's super impressive. And there's almost I don't know that there's anybody that, that's like him. It all comes down to to the health. Um but yeah, he's doing a much better job, I think, of of distributing the ball, of driving and kicking and and having focus on that. And then, and you're right too, he's, he's, he has bought in on defense and, and that's the thing that I think I was most surprised by as somebody who did watch a lot of Duke games that year that he was there with, with RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, he was a good defender in college and the rest of that team wasn't RJ Barrett wasn't Cam Reddish wasn't uh, the whole down the roster that was not a good defensive team. He was, he was a good defender not just in blocks and steals. Like he legitimately could do some interesting things defensively. And he didn't do that at all. The first, you know, 82 games that he played over three seasons or whatever. He just was pretty terrible defensively. Um, he looks way more bought in now and, and focused on that. end. I think it just comes down to, is he, is he hell? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Yeah. And it's, so far, I mean, it's, I, it's been, you know, it's been great. Yeah. But it has led to me this this last couple of weeks, especially honestly, has led to me being like, well, I'm gonna start rooting for the Lakers to win because I don't want yeah, <laughs> I don't want this right. team to get a lottery pick 100%. going into. I mean, good gracious, I don't want them to have one lottery ball for for Wimby or Scoot or or whatever else. Um, let's talk about outside of Zion though. I think I love their depth, and that was the thing that I liked a lot when we were wa- looking at the um, over unders at the beginning of the season. You touched on like how they drafted last year. I think that's a huge part of it. 
Um, but but they're they're ten twelve guys deep. Yeah, and um, I mean I and I love their wing rotation so much. I'm so jealous of Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, uh, Najee Marshall, and that doesn't even account for Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. You know, and um and and gosh, I Dyson Daniels is going to be somebody who's going to be one of my ten favorite players in the league. I think I love. I love his game so much. He's so much fun to watch, and he's kind of a he's kind of a bad a. Like he does not he does not seem to take crap from anyone. And gosh, I love it. I I love what he is is, is bringing to the table. The fact that he's getting twenty minutes per game I, right now too is pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. Some of that is that Herb has been out, and and that I, that Ingram is out. Um, but but I, but some of it is you you you. I think that you're gonna have a hard time keeping him off the floor because he's really really good. Willie Green has done an incredible job um, coaching this thing and and getting everybody to buy in on both sides of the floor. And some of that means minutes too. I think and shots, minutes and shots. You're you're maybe going to take few. You're going to get less minutes and take fewer shots because of the depth that this team has. But by the way, as we, this is the spread the floor curse, they're just getting walloped by Utah <laughs> right now. Like as I, as we speak. But um, regardless, uh, still they're, they're they're playing really well now. You you mentioned the Ingram thing, and that's that's where I want to go because my hold back with them um, when we did over unders, and I don't think that we've had we've seen the team play together enough to be able um, to to say that this is this is not going to be an issue. I'm still not sure how the top your top four players, none of them being shooters is going to play none of them being real shoot like Brandon Ingram is the best shooter of Ingram McCollum Zion and Jonas Valanciunas especially the way that McCollum has shot yeah. the ball this year he's not shooting the ball well from from the 3 and he's not shooting the ball well from from the rest yeah, of the he's, field he's shooting just, 41% he's, the shots from everywhere, not there which is it's yeah, not good it's yeah yeah it's it, it's it's not good and he's doing everything else and I'm not I'm not knocking it or anything it's just you know this is a statement of fact um I worry about the spacing when those four guys are, you know, ostensibly on the floor together. And I worry about the shot, uh, the, 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 the sharing of the ball. Um, because I wonder if that is a real, I wonder if part of the success here is I'm with you. I love Brandon Ingram. I'm a big Ingram fan. Um, I don't think that it is a coincidence necessarily that they have been on a seven-game win streak and he's been out for all seven games. Um, and I don't think that I don't mean that as like Brandon Ingram is toxic or selfish or trouble or any of that stuff. I just think that it, the byproduct of taking his shots out of the offense and acknowledging that a lot of his shots are contested twos. And instead, you're distributing those. You're a, not just distributing the shots, but like the ball is going to Zion significantly more with Ingram out of out of the lineup. And then the shots that you're getting as a result of that are far fewer contested twos and way more Zion at the rim or somebody else on a pat on a kickout from Zion shooting uncontested or semi uncontested threes. Um, that's kind of simplifies the offense a little bit. And I, I, I think that there's something to be said for um, as good as Brandon Ingram is, does this thing work 
with all four of those guys on the floor and needing shots and needing minutes and needing the ball and all that kind of stuff. I, that is something that I would really, really be thinking about and looking at if I'm, if I'm David Griffin and, and trying to, to piece that together. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that's even fair. It's weird to say that getting somebody as talented and good as Brandon Ingram back in the lineup could be, you know, a quote unquote bad thing. And I'm, but maybe I would phrase it as it's a thing that you're going to have to figure out. And it, it would make me a tiny bit nervous because what's working right now, I don't know that Brandon Ingram is going to be super thrilled about if I'm being totally honest. And I don't know that it's kind of been sour grapes before. And so he has, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's ever been like toxic or bad locker room guy or anything like that. But I do think that there has been some, this is my team kind of things between him. Maybe and and look, maybe it's maybe it's just Tatum and, and Brown kind of stuff. And that eventually worked itself out and they went to the finals and they're the best team in the league record wise this year and all that kind of stuff. And so maybe it can totally work out. Um but Tatum can shoot. And I do think that that is a big part of why and Brown can shoot too, but Tatum can shoot now. And I think that's part of why that um pairing has worked out more over the last couple of years is because one of them has developed into a really good shooter. Brandon Ingram can shoot a little bit, but he's always going to be more of a get to an 18 footer than he is pull up and, and, and hammer this, this three. And I don't know. Zion stroke has looked pretty good. He's shooting a little bit more frequently than he, than he used to, but I don't think he's ever going to be like a shooter shooter. So, um, I don't know. I'm not trying to, it's, I would look at, I would just kind of wrap that up and say, this is, that's not me saying, yeah, this is all going to come crashing down or I'm not believing this or anything like that. It's, it's simply a, this is a reality of the rotation that they're Mm -hmm. running right now. And I'm curious to see how it plays out moving forward. And to your point, I think you're totally right. It would be really, really weird for a team that is the top three in, in their conference, let alone number one in their conference to trade the guy who, I don't know, is your second best player, but is also the guy that has like been your number one scoring option for, for a while. It would be really weird to see that trait, to see them be like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and get out of this, this Ingram situation, especially given the, the, the injury history with Zion. But I don't think you'd be wrong to, to be kind of like at least casually, you know, sticking your ear out and listening to what, whatever offers are going to come your way. Just, just to try to simplify the the, the offense. Yeah, I mean, listen, so. if they're in a, they they really are in this incredible position of they could they could make an asset trade, you know, they could trade rating mm-hmm. and get more assets, you know, for later, or they could use their assets to get somebody to go alongside Brandon Ingram. You know, I, that's the thing is like, I like let's just say. The Bulls keep tanking, and then they and then they somehow can say, "Hey, why don't we do a Levine for Ingram swap?" Like that, you know. I, I'm not sure that makes sense in all the respects. Yeah, I would never do that because sure. of the contract. But I but, get, you know, I get like, the sentiment. If, sure. I'm thinking like, who are the stars out there that are more of a ball handler mm-hmm. shooter than what Ingram is, and maybe look for like a like a guard instead of like you know. I I just think because because you, because their their wing depth and their rotation. You can afford to lose Ingram on the wing if you are bringing in a guard who's going to be a you know a, a scorer and a ball handler to mm-hmm. kind of 
mm-hmm. so in, in 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 a way kind of recreate the CJ Dame thing that they had in Portland, but with a better defense essentially. And I just there's got to be somebody out there that were that that you, you could just say, hey, well, would you like to have a 25 year old with a with a pretty decent deal? that has the potential to be a mm-hmm. good player for you. Like I just, I, and if you, if we need to, depending on the person, we can throw in a couple of picks that don't matter you're not getting the Lakers pick, but you know, we'll give you our pick for this year or whatever. I just, there's a lot of things that they can do. And again, I'm, I, I, I really don't want them to, but, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. And, and we're not even talking about the fact that they have younger players on their team right now that aren't getting minutes that they could trade for, pieces like i mean like jackson hayes jackson hayes is is you know doesn't really get minutes there right now yeah and so surely somebody's willing to say hey we'll give you you know a a second round pick for jackson hayes or what i just they have a lot of options and they already Mm -hmm. are a top team in the west and so it's that's kind of scary yeah yeah okay let's move on um and talk about their new rivals the phoenix suns um well, before we do, do you do you have any problem with Zion doing the dunk? At I the do. End of that yeah, game? I think it's I, I. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I, I get what he said in the post conference press conference of they sent us home last year. Well, first of all, I and mean, he said it right. He said they sent my teammates home last year. So I kind of appreciated that. I, that was, but uh-huh. I do have a problem with it. If if I was on the Suns team or I was a Suns fan, I would be livid and Zion would instantly be enemy number one for me. That's trash. Like, you don't do that. Like, if you want to get an extra two points or whatever, <laughs> fine. Like, maybe they were talking crap and we didn't know about it. You know, like, I mean, I'm sure they were. But I, it, it, I think that if he would have gone and laid it up or dunked it, that would have been bad, but the fact that he did this 360 windmill and then and then flexed on him, <laughs> dude, I, I'm not gonna lie. To me, that's a so we talked about football once. Talking again, that's a George Teague T- Terrell Owens moment of I'm going over there to protect my house at that point. Like you didn't do that in New Orleans either. You did it in freaking Phoenix, man. Like I'm I'm going over there and I'm gonna say something. So was no, it, it was in New Orleans. It was in okay. New well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I it was in New Orleans. But still, that yeah. that is not I, I maybe. <sighs> I would like to think that if that was a Mavs player doing that, I would be like, come on, man, don't do that. I, I would like to think that I would have that, you know, niceness in my heart yeah. for that. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't really been Here, in that situation. <laughs> here, here's why. Here's here's three reasons why I'm 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 good with it. Okay, three number reason C- number E3. one. <laughs> the Suns freaking did that last year against the Mavs yeah, in the playoffs. They did They're up by twenty eight points. And they still got to get busy and campaign, of course, because he's one that's running his mouth yesterday or the other day about about Zion. Of course, he's out there running his mouth because he's the freaking little the little monster yeah. from Space Jam, except without skill? any any uh, actual yeah. skill. Um, he got the ball out to to Bismack Miyambo so that Miyambo could get a get a layup and they could win by thirty. Um, which I don't care about. I don't care that you that you did that. Um, necess- it's, it's almost like a bat flip. It's like, it's, I'm fine with you doing a bat flip. Bat- I also want to be fine with, with you get hit next time. That would be fine too. Like I like both of those things. Um, anyway, so they did that in the playoffs last year. So, okay. Number one, um, number two, I kind of like that Zion is like, yeah, the, we're, gonna, we're, we're coming for the team that was the number one seed in the West. And we're going to like, they knocked us out last year. We're coming at you. We're trying to send a message. I kind of dig that. I 
I would like that less if he did it to the Timberwolves or something like that. But the fact that it's the Suns and they had the playoff history last year and Chris Paul was super dirty in that series and all this kind of stuff. um, I kind of dig that. And lastly, for me, the Suns were playing offense in the possession before that. The Suns like uh, um, Lowe and and Lopez went over this on, on, on his pod this week, but, but, uh, the possession before that for the Pelicans, they had like right at 24 seconds left on the on the shot clock and they went ahead and got a bucket. OK, so then the, the which I'm fine with. I hate dribbling out the clock when it's over 24 seconds. I hate that. I think it shouldn't. I don't like the end in a turnover kind of thing. I think it's dumb. But regardless, the Pelicans went and scored. And so then the Suns came down the floor and Chris Paul did the Chris Paul thing, like tried to draw a foul, didn't get the call. Flipped it up, scored the layup. They had just, or didn't score the layup, tried to to get a layup. So if you're going to come down and you're going to try to score, then I think it's totally fair for the other team to go down and, and try to score as well. Like that's, I don't know. It didn't, that didn't bother me. Now, if I was the Suns, um, if I was DeAndre Aiden, I may have, I may have uh, uh, put Zion on his butt first possession of, of the next game we're playing with them, but they didn't. And maybe that's part of the problem. So, okay. So we diverge a little bit on that. I'm, pr- I'm fine with, in a vacuum, I don't like what what Zion did, but in given the context, all those I'm things totally you said are true. It was, it was good. To me, the re- the reason why those arguments are not valid is because he did a three sixty windmill jam. <laughs> I'm pro. I, at that point, I'm like, if you're just gonna if you're gonna go in and get a layup, then you might as well do something awesome. You're at home; it's your fans. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of with it. I'm, I mean, I maybe I, I'm I, maybe saying, I would feel completely. I'm different not saying it wasn't that it's sun, it's but. like whatever. I'm not mad about it. I'm not gonna like throw a fit about it. If I'm a Suns fan, I am. If I'm on a Suns team, I'm decking him. Sure. Like that's that's the thing. And so and it's so, like it's it's kind of the same thing you're saying. Like I can live in both worlds where they do that, but also there's sure. gonna be retaliation. Yeah. Unfortunately, in basketball, that's not really a thing. Like that's not it's not like baseball where you can get know. you know that. you can't really get that in <laughs> basketball. And so. Yeah. Again, yeah. I just it's it was if they were playing defense or like kind of half playing defense, then not, then maybe. But the fact that they basically just let them go, I was like, oh, like so. <laughs> yeah, I I have no I have no problem with them having taking exception to that. But you're right, campaign coming out and talking trash about it is, and then people people showing him receipts right afterwards. That that's you know pretty campaign. Yeah, what I can't stand that dude. So. I hate that guy. All right. Let's let's talk about the Suns. So, Tobin, on November 30th, the year of our Lord 2022, the Phoenix Suns defeated the Chicago Bulls 132 to 113. And they were sitting at number 1 in the West at 15 and 6. Since that time, they lost to the Rockets in a super wheels off way. I don't know if you even remember this cuz it was like 2 weeks ago they had like seven yeah. chances yeah, to win it. the game just kept getting offensive rebounds and missing pretty pretty haphazard lost to the rockets destroyed the spurs okay got run by the mavs 130 to 111 got assaulted by the celtics 125 to 98 and let me tell you that could have been 150 to 75 yeah I mean, the celtics they the weren't celtics doing reverse were, windmill jams so <laughs> just they were just dominating that so badly from the jump. That was a just a complete disaster. 
They lost to the Pels, 128-117 in this game we were talking about. Then they lost to the Pels again, 129-124 in overtime. And then tonight, Tobin, they lost again to, the Rockets, to the Rockets again, 111-97. Devin Booker has missed the last couple of games. That's a part of this. But they've gone from 15-6 and six to 16-12. and 12. Um, In those, like, first five games of that, uh, or first four games, excuse me, of, of that stretch, Devin Booker uh, it went for 20, 11, 14, and 17 points, respectively. Um after coming off just an absolute heater where he was over 40 for three consecutive games. <sighs> Chris Paul's back in the lineup now, and he's um, terrible. He's been really, really bad this season. And I would say that not just by his standard, but like by the standard of are you a quality NBA point guard? Nine and nine is is really not going to cut it, and he's shooting, shooting 37 and 32% from the floor right now. Um Look, I know they have injuries. That's part of it. Cam Johnson's been out for the the majority of the season. Jay Crowder just like pieced out. He's not gonna. He's not willing. Maybe he saw something. At some point they'll flip that. (laughs) Yeah, at some point they'll flip him into something. I'm sure. Um, DeAndre Ayton had like a player of the player Western Conference Player of the Week week in here. Like he would just like look like a completely dominant person before Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Since then, maybe not so much. Um, Mikhail Bridges hasn't looked great, but they were rolling, Tobin. They were rolling, and then the the streak that they're on right now is, I got to say, it feels a little bit l- more than just every team goes through a stretch where they lose a few games in a row or a few games out of a few games and just have like a bad stretch or something. It looks worse to me, and I don't know if I'm just projecting that because I hate them or if it's actually like, no, 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 this is, I just got to be honest. This is more of what I kind of thought the Suns were going to be this season after the Mavs destroyed them in the playoffs last year. I kind of thought they may sense that their window has closed and, and come out and be not the team that they were all of last season. And then I look very foolish about that for, for a bit. And then man, the last couple of weeks, Really, the month of December has been so so bad for for them, and I'm starting to wonder if uh, if now that that they're sensing they're sensing that the window has closed there a little bit or or what. But I don't know what what's your take on on the Phoenix Suns and uh, and the stretch that they're in right now. I think that you are right that they have had injuries that they lost some key players to the process that they have. They they seem like a team the last couple of years that when everything is tuned up and you know greased up like it's like a like a car like if everything is working the way it's supposed to it's a it's a fantastic machine and it does what it's supposed to do but the second something goes wrong it, you start to sense it and then it and then it affects other things and then it affects other things and eventually the car is just you know beaten out and just not able to get where get you where you need to go it's it's I think Jay Crowder is a big part of that. I think Cameron Johnson not being like who they thought I mean, they they literally basically let Jay Crowder, you know, walk away because of you know Cam Johnson being able to step in and you know and Tory Craig doing more and that kind of stuff and it just it, that hasn't panned out. Um on top of the fact that you know normal people that like aren't us would say, "Oh, this this 
This is just the part of Chris Paul that he's old and this is normal. And what a bummer to see it in. Whereas we are like, finally, thank God, you know, but, (laughs) but I just, I think he's getting to the point now where he's 37. And if the offense and the structure of this team relies on this guy to be healthy and what he needs to be, maybe we're seeing the ramifications of that now of, I mean, like, look, mm-hmm. you can't take away the last two years that Chris Paul has been the the gas that gets this thing going, and, and they have overperformed what everybody thought they would the last couple of years, and they've been incredible. Um, and if he if he is that gas that needs it that that they need, this might be a more realistic re- like re- representation of what he is now, and that's that's going to be a problem. Um, and yeah. that's normal, and it's not you know, but. This is also one of those like kind of like, again that this is probably the window. I don't think it's a coincidence that they have gone on this really nasty stretch, and they probably feel that pressure of that things are about to get pretty bad because this week, now that the uh, the you know the deadline for players to be traded is is in two days, that's what now we're starting to hear about Jay Crowder going places because. I think that they know they have got to stop the bleeding fast. They need a tourniquet and they need, they need to find something that's going to give them what they need. And I, I think you're right. I think this is, this is more than just, Oh, it's a slump because Booker's been out and CP's, you know, not, you know, not a hundred percent. I think this is, this is more of who they probably are and they, and they need to figure out a way to, to vamp off of that or stop the bleeding with some sort of trade or something. I have um I have listened to less NBA podcasting hours this year that's been a, like a point of emphasis for me because it makes me angry and I'm just like why am I doing this with my free time or not free time because <laughs> I don't have any free time um and so and it's worked I've had a lot less um NBA Twitter NBA media NBA pod angst it's been really good for me. Um, I don't know if you've noticed a difference in me. Um, I'd appreciate and it. It would be nice if the Mavs were um, taking that place, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about all those texts. Um, the <laughs> There are so many times where, because <laughs> I don't, I don't sleep and I certainly don't sleep at normal hours and I'm just, <laughs> just sending Tobin, so many texts that I'm sure he just wakes up. Pretty much every Mavs game is just like, God, this guy. <laughs> it's like 2 o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep. And I, I'm just still thinking about it. Um, which is really healthy, I think. Um, anyway, I have gotten so tired of... Even, even while listening to way less pods and just trying to be less angsty about everything. I'm so tired of the like vague hinting around some wheels off things going on in the background of the suns, especially during that map series. Like I've, I feel very confident in saying at this point that the suns had COVID during the playoffs last year and the NBA just kind of covered it up. I think that putting context clues together, I think that's a, that's a real thing that, that has happened. I know like the Kanye thing is out there with Chris Paul, but like even beyond that, much more so Wendy, especially, but there's been, there's a lot of other was low. Does it too. There's been a lot of, of that 
that group that is like hinting at there were some something there was something going on with Chris Paul during the Mavs playoff series last year and that maybe that it is it is still having an effect on them now. I would love for them to just stop hinting at it and either report on it and do their job or not report on it, but stop vaguely touching on all of this stuff because it's very obnoxious. But I do think it is fair to say there's it's it's not great. I don't think things are great there. And that doesn't even account for their owners is being forced essentially to sell the team. And are you going to be willing to put money in when you're about to get out of this thing and make $4 billion and, and all this other stuff? I, I, I don't know, man, it's the vibes are really, really bad and vibes can be turned around and, a trade here, a little health here, there, you know, we can, we can make something come, come back around. And certainly they were very, very good for, for two straight seasons. They have a great coach. They've got talent on the roster, all this sort of stuff. Um, but I, it, it, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel to me right this second, like a team that's going through a bad stretch that every team has. It feels to me like a team that is in real trouble. And, um, but we'll see. We'll see how the next, uh, maybe the next two weeks they'll be right back into this thing. I, I don't know, but it it doesn't feel that way to me right now. So, um, many 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 months ago, it feels like we announced that we were going to do um, a league pass focus every week here on the show, and that we were going to start that by focusing on the Sacramento Kings. We the Kings at that time were on, I believe, a seven game win streak, Tobin, something like that. Um, and the week that we chose to engage in this, they lost all three games. So again, the spread the floor curse, uh, takes, kind of takes amazing the team down, but point, also that so. was many, I know, I know we're almost, we're kind of undefeated. We should stop rooting for the maps. Um, I think that would probably be best for, for the team. Um, also that was, that was several weeks ago. So it feels like all the things that I, that I thought about and noted and whatnot about the Kings and, and same for you probably are like, don't even matter at this point. So I think we should just say, Hey, like in January, maybe we're going to do a, 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 another league pass focus on the Kings and, and do it right. And so, um, we'll, maybe just come back to that in, in a few weeks, but they're exciting and fun. And Mike Brown has done what I think Monty Williams did for the Suns in just turning that into a professional basketball team. And there's real value in just being a professional basketball team and not being Mm. the Kangs. You know, there have been very few Kangs moments through the course of, of this short season so far. And I I think, I think a big chunk of that probably lands on, on Mike Brown, just being a, a dude that you, that you can take seriously and um, (laughs) has brought professionalism to, to that team. So good for them, but I think we'll probably do another Kings focus later in, in, uh, when we actually, when the data feels a little more relevant and timely than it, yeah. it was this time around. So last thing we're going to talk about here, I know you and Dennis touched on the Hawks, especially in relation to the Pacers and the different levels of, of expectations that those two teams had coming into the, into the season and like where we're at at this point. Since that time, um, it's gotten worse, I think, mm-hmm. for the Hawks. Um, 
Trey Young did not play in a game. I don't need to go through all the reporting. I think let me let me go let me let me go here. This is the second coach in Trey's very short career that he has had open conflict with. Not just like behind the scenes, I don't like that guy, I'm not listening, whatever else. Like legitimate content conflict with, okay? Um and the the thing that was pretty telling to me, Tobin, about all this was not that that there was not that Nate felt like he could say what he said, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Usually you would probably have the coach sort of like sweep that under the rug and, and not really call this player out because that doesn't really happen a lot in the NBA. The the confrontation that he had with the, with the media guy a couple days later told me a lot about the feelings and perceptions of Trey Young in that town. Um, and maybe that guy's just that, that media guy is just, just one bum. I don't know, but it, that doesn't happen. You don't have media members publicly, um, pretty aggressively go at the star player like that. And not about something like, Hey, you missed this free throw, these free throws down the stretch. How, what's the deal, you know, (laughs) or, or whatever, but like straight up call him out on, are you, are you causing problems, Trey? Is this an issue? This is the second straight coach. you've I think that was really telling and may would make me pretty nervous if I was a, if I was a Hawks fan, but I don't know. Am I reading too much into that or, or just my willingness to slander? I don't know if you're reading too much into it, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on because most of the time with media, they know that if they do stuff like that, it's it's going to affect their access or their the team's willingness to speak to them so they don't do stuff like that. Typically, you see that kind of thing when players have like openly expressed a trade or openly, like you know they're on their way out. Not someone who is, mm-hmm. by all accounts, the future of your franchise for the next five years. <laughs> and yeah. And especially with something that was such a, like, he said, she said, kind of wheels off moment when no one really knew who was right, who was wrong, and then just to kind of come at him, that it seems pretty aggressive yeah. in that regard. And it kind of makes you question, one, hey, is that reporter supposed to be doing this? Like, should he be should he be the Hawks beat writer for, <laughs> you know, whatever the paper is right. there? And two, why are they willing to go at Trey Young like that? Like, I just... that. It's very odd. I, and I, I wish yeah. I had more context to how that rider is in the, in the town you know, on a day-to-day basis because, you know, because, like, if it's, like, Tim Kalashaw here, it's like, well, yeah, Tim Kalashaw's a jerk. He's an idiot, and he does whatever <laughs> he wants to get a headline, you know. But th- and that guy may be that in Atlanta. But if he's not, that's that's a pretty concerning thing. Yeah. Not great. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Um. Do you know what Trey is shooting from three? I looked year? it up when we were talking about the last episode, and I and I remember thinking to myself, that is way worse than I realized because it's you know for a guy who who is supposed to be like one of the most efficient three point shooters, and you know he's he's created the long three in in his words. I yeah, it was like it was like thirty percent when I saw it last. I think right, twenty eight percent. Yikes. 28%. Um, this is, 
So here, this is what we're going to finish with for, for this episode. In our Discord, our buddy Brad, he, he posited to the group, is Trey the worst star? Like, star. Like, real star in the league. And I thought, no, that's, that's, that's taking it too far. I think that's taking it too far. Um, but I did think <laughs> about it. And so I, I, I don't know. I want to, I want to run through this little exercise. It's very Bill Simmons-y, Ryan Rosillo-y of us here, but we'll just kind of finish with, with this. Anyone who listens to the show knows how I'm not a big Trey Young guy. Part of my issue with Trey coming into the league and has been this way for, for his, his, his career is that I believe, and I think you're seeing it this year, my feeling has always been that if you're going to have Trey Young on your team, you have to build around him in a very specific way, and that's a really hard thing to do and to depend on from a guy who's like my height and is... Always going to be the 450th best defender in the league and who much of his game is based around his ability to shoot from deep and he's not an elite shooter. You know, like I look 20, like I just said, 28% right now, his career high is last year. He shot 38%. 38% is a really respectable, good number. He's not Steph. <laughs> You know, and he's not he's not in that he's not in the category of what I would say is like an actual elite shooter. He is a volume shooter um, who you have to respect out there for sure. But when he's not able to convert on those threes consistently because he has to have the ball in his hands so much, I just think it's really hard. It's a really hard sell to say this is the guy who's the face of my team and my team is going to be in contention. I know they have a conference finals um, under under his belt. So maybe this feels like sour grapes. But I feel like this season, now that they went out and they got DeJounte Murray and like put a lot of, um, I think, not just expectation, but maybe Tobin, maybe a little bit of pressure on themselves. Um, and I don't, and, and they're kind of caving under that pressure. I feel like it is sort of indicative of like, yeah, this has kind of been my deal with Trey throughout. Oh, they, they a hundred percent accelerated the timeline before they were ready in the, in their talks of like the Mavs did that too. You know, it's not just, you know, so this is, this isn't like a, us just crapping on the Hawks. Like they accelerated the timeline. So yeah, great. Cool. It's it's the finals. Yay. Hooray. But then it's like, Oh, well crap. Now we have to, you know, (laughs) maintain that somehow. And so they, they definitely accelerated it. And and I think the DeJounte Murray trade kind of, you know, Put yep. the stamp on that for sure. So what we do here really fast, because um, I'm not going to go through this entire list. I, I just, I went and I thought about like, okay, who are the top 25, 30 players in the league? And when I think about that, you think maybe, maybe even a better way to put it is like, who do you want to build a team around? Um, not every team has a guy that is the guy that they're going to build their team around, right? Like at any given time. I don't think that the Jazz, right, as good as Laurie Markkinen has been, I don't think that they have a, their guy that's like, this is the cornerstone of who we're building around. Um, there are other teams in the league that are feeling that same thing right now. But um, Trey, I think, is somebody who, I know that's somebody that the Hawks believe or have believed is is that person. Um, and 
that's kind of what we're putting to the test here. So I have a list of some names. This is not exhaustive. I did not get a big spreadsheet together or anything like that. I just, I just want to list off a few players here, Tobin, and let's talk about you're building a team. Are you taking this guy or are you taking Trey? Okay. So like you're you're talking about I'm ground throwing, up. Like we're not bringing him to the Mavs. This is okay. Ground got up. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. We can make your team. You're doing a fa- a fantasy draft on 2K or something. Like however you want to look at it. Um, here's your corner. Here's your first pick. Your cornerstone player. Okay. Obviously, we're throwing out guys like Giannis, Luca, Jokic, Embiid, Tatum, Curry. Those guys are all off the table. Um, I'm not. We're not even going to talk about the Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Paolo Bancaro, that group of players. Cause they're too, they're too, we don't know enough about them at this point. Um, by the way, Cade Cunningham, that's a bummer. I was, I really enjoy watching that guy play and for him to be out his entire, basically his entire second season is mm-hmm. real. That sucks. That sucks a lot. Um, safe to say Tobin that AD Lillard, Shay. Devin Booker, John Morant, Zion Williamson, those are all off the table here, right? Is there anybody uh, that I just listed that you you really think are about? Are we talking about current, like over? with agent injuries? Right this second, yes. I, yes. I'm i not sure. You're getting this version Ooh, of that. Point. I'm not sure I would put, like, I, I, would, I would waffle over Lillard, maybe. Just because of age, just because of age, really? Wait, yeah. But right like, now? if you're talking okay. about starting from the ground up, you're talking about a dude that's got maybe three years of of mm-hmm. star basketball left. Yeah, I mean, that's just age, though. I mean, yeah, obviously, even two years ago, I'd take Lillard over Trey in a heartbeat, you know. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, that's that's still it's it's still probably going to be all okay. them over him for sure. Lillard, I'm not even the biggest Lillard guy, but I think that I would definitely take the three years, the next two or three years of Lillard over the next two or three years of Trey, and then yeah, that's probably fair. Kind of would live. With I guess that's when you put it that way. That's probably fair. So you brought up the age. So let's go there. KD and LeBron. Would you take either? Would you take Trey over either of those guys right now? Given I mean, the age. definitely not KD, um, and LeBron gives you the GM factor in some respects. Like you, like at the very least, he's good. <laughs> I mean, a it's a con, con some, yeah. but at the very least, people are going to want to play with him, you know. And so, yeah. like even like the the minimum guys or like the vet like the vet men's like. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think you still take LeBron in that situation. Okay. I'm just gonna throw a few. Now it's gonna here. start getting. It's gonna, I'm gonna start getting the guards hairy now. Okay, Paul George. Mm-hmm. I I think I take Trey. I and, okay. and that's I, I that's probably some recency bias because of just injuries and whatever, yeah. but. Paul George is incredible, but he you can't you can't guarantee he's going to give you more than fifty games a season. You know, I just so yeah, yeah. I part. I I think that one's close. I'm with you on that because I think if you can guarantee me that Paul George is going to be healthy um, for the right seventy games or whatever, then I'm I'm I think I I think there are there are ways that I can build around Paul George easier than but we're I can starting with to Trey. venture in that mode of 
not true number ones that act as number ones. And so that's why we're that's why we're kind of waffling okay. yep. in that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm gonna hold some of the guards <clears throat> until the end because I think that's probably the most interesting okay. discussion of this. Um Pascal Siakam. Ooh. Uh I <laughs> This, this is hard because Siakam has been like three different players these last three seasons. So um, <laughs> this is probably preference, but I take Siakam. And, I but, think but I do the too. problem is, is that just... that's not the way the league is built right now. So that's why I'm struggling with it because the league is built around strong point guards. And so, but I, I yeah. think Siakam, Siakam does more all around than what Trey is going to give you as a star. <clears throat> I just think that Siakam's easier to, to put yeah. four other guys around than Trey is personally. I, I think, I think, um, Jalen Brown. Oh. No, I take Trey and, and that's a hundred percent because of, I don't know. I just, man, I don't know. Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's really great, tough, but I, even yeah. with all of, if you take all of the extracurricular stuff out, there, mm-hmm. I, I really wish we had a way to put Jalen Brown in this situation and see if he's still Jalen Brown or if he really is benefiting from great coaching in Jason in Jason Tatum. That's that's funny. I I thought the exact same thing. I was like, man, it'd be cool if I had. Um, one year of Jalen Brown being the man on a team to kind of base this on and really because I don't think Jalen Brown is the I'm same if he doesn't yeah. have the Celtics pedigree coaching and Jason Tatum running off of him. Like as for as much as we have talked crap over years about how they don't complement each other well, <laughs> like in a weird way, yeah. it's kind of it's. I think it also hides Jalen as well. So I'm gonna take Trey in this sure. situation. Okay. okay. Jimmy Butler. Jeez, that, okay, I don't know. I, I don't know about that one because. <laughs> this one's Butler to me easily, but but Butler is hard to deal with too. There are there are real things that are problems. Okay, with, current, yeah, with current Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, well, the, the but, heat culture Jimmy Butler, yeah, I think I take him all day yeah. over Trey. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, he's closer to that top 10, 12 guy than, yeah. than not for me. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy is. DeMar DeRozan. I take Trey. I think I take DeRozan. But same. I don't love I, it. I, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm I don't the same way on the other side, I too. I don't it. love it either. Right. I think it's weird because they're both weirdly clutch. <laughs> like, like yeah. one of them is awesomely clutch in the regular season, and the other one was clutch in their playoff run. <laughs> <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you need to put yeah. it together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I think that I I fall back to I have recently seen the Spurs be competitive with zero talent around him, but just putting the ball in his hands, doing that's, letting that's him true. do the DeRozan yeah. stuff and and just having shooters sort of shooters around but that. But that's kind of what trade that's kind of the way was. he carried the Bulls last year. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Trey is at his best. Yeah. For, for sure. I think I prefer the way yeah. DeRozan okay. does it to Trey right this second, but I lean I on the fact that you either, need a strong point guard in that. Like I, I'd rather yeah. have a point guard to build on than a not point guard. If they're, if they're, if they're okay. kind of yeah. equal. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. 
I think I would lean on. I want the guy who's not sure. five foot eight. That's probably where I come down. But I, I it, that that one's close. I, I think that that's a fair. Either way is fair. I will take Trey over Bradley Beal or KP, obviously, or Kyrie. Given the the crap you mm-hmm. have to deal with with Kyrie, I don't know. Yeah, would you same. take Would you take no. any of those guys over Trey? Beal, I thought about, but I just I think we're at the point where Beal is a. Um, who's the Vikings coach? Was it Dennis Green? Is that who yeah, you know? We are the, 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 yeah, they are. He are. They are who we thought they are. Yeah, Beal is who he's. He every day, Be- Bradley Beal tells you who he is, and we always are trying to like try to find ways to not feel that way. But it is. It's. It is. There is a reason he why is. he signed a max um, there. I'm good with it. Almost instantly yeah. because I think he knew that yeah. I needed to get my bag and stay in the place that kind of likes me before yeah. I, and not have to go prove that I'm a good player somewhere else. Sure. Okay. Am I safe in saying that? Well, I'll rephrase that. I I would take Trey over Zach Levine, who I love, but I yeah. do not trust physically at all at this point. I would take Trey over the current version of Jamal Murray, but I asterisk to say I want to revisit that at the end of the year. But I, I would take Trey over Jamal Murray mm. right now. Do you disagree with that or are you... No, no, I think I agree with that. I think I think you're right. I okay. think we need to see this year and how he's bounced back from this stuff. Yeah. Okay. On Simmons and Rosillo, they mm, Simmons said this and Rosillo kind of passively went along with it, but I couldn't tell if he actually agreed or if he just was not wanting to call him out. They took Anthony Simons no. over Trey. No, I think that's too no. far. I'm not taking Anthony Simons it, over Trey. No. Simons did a lot for his stock last year, but not not that much. No. I'll just be honest with you. I don't enjoy watching Anthony Simons. It's fun when he's he's hot, but if you if he's the best player on your team, yeah. I think you win 20. Yeah, which is what happened last um, year. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, not there. Would you take Trey over CJ McCollum? Yes. I think I, I yeah as as a starter of your team franchise absolutely yes. I think you're right. You trust McCollum more, obviously, but yeah, I just think that tr- I think that McCollum is easier to slot onto into a team than Trey is. But I think you're right that the talent you're is too never going to get Trey. a fifty point heater from CJ McCollum. Yeah. It's true. Like, you know, like you're not going to get. Yeah, I agree. You don't have that potential uh, every night of that guy going on a heater like Trey Young can. Okay. And if all else, sorry, if all else is failing and you give Young the ball, like, like you have a chance Mm -hmm. of stealing a win in that case, you can't say the same thing about CJ McCollum. If you, if you, if you, maybe in a, maybe a couple years ago, but not now. Like if if the Pelicans are okay. like tonight, they're getting creamed by the Jazz. If you say CJ, go get us this win, it ain't happen. It's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jalen Brunson. Oh, I take Trey, and that's probably pettiness, but yeah, I do too. He's just Brunson's he's not he's not that guy. He to me is very similar to CJ McCollum. Where and CJ McCollum is better than Jalen Brunson is, but it's. Team-wise, I think it's easier to integrate them into a team, <clears throat> build a team around them. I just don't yeah. think you're going to win very many games unless the rest of the team is mm-hmm. really good. Like, he's the, whatever, Jalen Brunson is the 47th best player in the NBA. I don't know what his actual number would be. I just threw out a number. 
But you also have the 49th, 57th, 63rd, mm-hmm. best put, you know, that kind of thing, maybe. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. Julius Randle, same thing yeah. for me. Um, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> I think I take, I think I take Trey <laughs> too. I think I would too. And that surprises me about myself because man, I've really gotten to where I hate, I don't like cat at all. Last year's playoffs. Yeah. So I think the playoffs last year um, and then the start of this year has kind of showed that he may not be long for that situation. <laughs> so, I think I would take Trey over Brandon Ingram because I don't trust Brandon Ingram's um, health. And Ingram is a guy who definitely could be. I scored 30 points a game, but we, I feel like we if you take Brandon Ingram in that situation, you just like what you're doing is saying he's going to be our star for three years until we find a better star. He's not, you know, so. Okay. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um,. All right, here's here's the last few. These are guards. These so well, let me let me give you a shooting because I don't this is not a What about Anthony Edwards? I mean Anthony Edwards has I'll give you my answer. I'm taking Anthony Edwards and I'm nervous Anthony as crap about it because I love Anthony Edwards, but I am not certain that about what's going to so, happen with Anthony Edwards. It is taking him over Trey is just full on saying I'm betting on the potential of this guy as somebody who may be able to score 30 plus points a game in a really physical dominating kind of way and hoping I can put together the rest of it because I don't like the way that Trey plays the game, but it's a, that is a real crap. I think just as we said that Trey young versus CJ, like CJ is not going to be able to get what you need. I think this is kind of the anti version Mm -hmm. of like, not in a point scoring way, but if you're talking about someone that's going to do multiple things on the court and have the physical capabilities of doing things like Trey Young's never going to be able to match Anthony Edwards peak of athleticism. And so I think that's why mm-hmm. Anthony takes the edge here, but you're right. It's terrifying. And like, I can't imagine like an expansion team saying we're going to draft Anthony Edwards number one and saying, okay, you got the keys. Here you go. Like that, Maybe in a couple of years when he's got some mm-hmm. maturity underneath him, we're, we're, we look stupid for saying that. But um, I think his athleticism and the, the ability, the fact that he can play multiple positions, I think gives him the edge here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last few are just guards. Primary ball handlers. I'm not going to um, like this and one. I know we're like a million years into this. Okay. LaMelo ball. Mm. Oh, man, I take Trey. I do too. I don't like. I I think. I think Lamelo and Trey. The are NBA on the loves Lamelo, but I think they just love the flashiness, and they don't really yeah. see what's behind all the I do too. the facade. Yeah. And this yeah. year is a lost year. This is a lost year for him. So maybe he comes back next year and he's awesome. But like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I'll take a proven quantity who does mo- a lot of the same stuff, even given mm-hmm. the size and stuff like that. Okay. James Harden. <laughs> I take Trey. All day. All day. I know Harden's kind of figuring some things out this year, but no. All day. Current James Harden. I got to be honest with you, dude. Like, we need to do um, a league pass on the Sixers because Embiid is, has been incredible and we're not talking about it enough. I 
I just can't bring myself <laughs> to do it. I hate yeah. watching them so much. I hate it. I hate it. And I know there's people who say the same thing about Luca, and I don't feel like arguing, and it's fine, whatever. I hate watching James Harden play basketball so much. Um, I would also take Trey here because of the age. Um, but but it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. Um, Darius Garland. I, th- I think I'd take Garland. I would too. I think we saw last year that with talent around him, Darius Garland is capable of making his team um, playoff viable. And that is at the very, very beginning of what they are capable Mm -hmm. of. So, yeah, I think I would take Garland as well. Okay. Okay, last these three are tough. No, one of them's not tough at all. One of them's not tough at all. Maybe... This this one would have been a real conversation, I think, in the off season. I don't think it's a conversation right now at all. But maybe Donovan I'm wrong. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, 100. Yeah, easy one for me. That would have been a I real conversation. Think, I, I don't think, think that I year. love um, that, but in this case, yeah, it's sure. I I don't think Mitchell's in, like uh, well, man. Now I think about that out loud. I I think Mitchell has come out this year and proven like, oh, okay, maybe there was more to that stuff in Utah than we realized and. And not fully proven. He's still got a long way to go. But, yeah, I, I trust Jonathan Mitchell as a star scorer more than I do Trey Young right now. And that, How aggressively did Donovan Mitchell roll his eyes when he saw Rudy Gobert retweet oh, I mean, I'm, yeah. this weekend? I, he, that dude has to be so glad he's not in that locker room anymore for for so many reasons. I can't... I, Rudy Gobert might be the most hated player in the NBA. Like, if you just did a blind poll of all the players, I feel like he would get a lot of votes, and I think yeah. that's right. Um, okay. Okay, yeah. Mitchell's, that that that's to me is right. kind of the same thing as, like, Anthony Edwards of, like, even if they do kind of the same thing, you're getting more athleticism, more more position uh, flexibility with Mitchell if you want to just strip it down to numbers and, you know, and stats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, last two. This one, I last year I would have said there's no way we're having this conversation. This guy's broken. Um, and now we're having this conversation. Mm. De'Aaron Fox. See, the hard thing about this is the Kings factor plays into this because if De'Aaron Fox <laughs> is not spending his first five seasons on the Kings – Right. We might see a different De'Aaron Fox, and now he's finally got a coach that's not Luke Walton, <laughs> or you know Joe right. Blow interim coach, and <laughs> look what he's doing. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I I think I I think I oh man, <laughs> I think and I can see the whole the, the whole. Oh, I think I think I think I take Trey still. I think De'Aaron's got to. It's only been thirty games. De'Aaron's got to prove to me this isn't a flash in the pan. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Trey, but but very, very tentatively. I would if this was a draft situation. <laughs> Because I'd really like to see it for a full mm-hmm. year, you know, and maybe even in the playoffs. Like, I don't really have a lot of faith that the Kings are going to wreck somebody in the playoffs, but I'd like to see them have a Pelicans-y series, you know, where they make it tough on somebody. 
um, before I picked Fox over Young. But I think I would write Deer and Fox's name on the card, turn it in, and then run to the bathroom and have a real bad stress <laughs> poop. So I think it makes me really nervous. I had so much Deer and Fox stock coming in. And last year I got to a point where I was like, I think he's broken. I think the Kings have ruined him as they have so many players over the years. And then lo and behold, he gets a real coach who's like a professional person and they turn into like, they kind of turned it around. He's sharing the ball and he's doing a lot of the right things. He's trying on defense, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that I liked about him coming in and suddenly it looks, it looks right. Um, I don't feel great about it. It makes me nervous, but Mm -hmm. I think I would take Fox. Last one, Fox's former former teammate, the guy you talked about last week, Tyrese Halliburton. I think at this point I take Halliburton. I would too, and that surprises me because, man, Hallie, I have had the weirdest up and down, not even up and down. It's like I love Tyrese Halliburton in that draft so much. I thought that he was, I could not believe that he dropped to where he dropped. I thought he was incredible his first year in the league. And then I thought that trade was very stupid for the Kings. Um, but even still, I felt like NBA Twitter was overrating mm. Halliburton. And then this year, that is the, the, I really think that's probably the second least talented team in the league besides the Hornets. And they're, and they're regressing right now, some. So, okay. But he and Benny Matherin have that team way above expectations and he's like night to night he is insane the assist he's doing he is doing everything you want from a point guard he's scoring he's not turning the ball over he's passing he's shooting he's you know he's never going to be a great defender but he's passable on defense he's doing everything for that team and it is an awful Mm -hmm. team and they look so much better than the hawks have looked with way more talent through this through a significant portion of the season so the reason why that's important is because when he was doing this stuff with the Kings, who are just as bad of teams, I think in the in the years you know past, they weren't getting the same results. But so I feel like because he's got better coaching around him and better like a better environment around him, you're seeing his abilities kind of soar a little bit more. Um, and he's kind of he's been given the keys. But I think whenever you when the Kings brought him in, it's like okay, here's De'Aaron Fox play next to him, and oh, we're also going to draft Davion Mitchell, and oh, we're going to you know. And it yes. just doesn't make oh any gosh, sense. Like, yes. And it's now like, hey, you're the guy, and that's it. And so go be the guy. And that's we're seeing that they're sure. seeing the benefits of that now. So um I think I think there's yeah. that's a potential to be a, a mistake necessarily, you know, between Trey and him, but right now I think I'm taking yeah. Halliburton yeah. for sure. Okay. Good. All right, that's fun. Um I think we did that successfully without being like just full on Trey haters, but I don't know. No Hawks fans listen to this, so it doesn't matter. Screw Trey Young. Um, all right, let's get out of here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market and leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts in that review. Tell us the most obscure or random NBA Jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back next week talking about everything that is happening in this wild, crazy NBA that we love so very much. And until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers. Ronnie Rogers.